Letter nineteen of Letters from England, eighteen forty six to eighteen forty nine, by Elizabeth Davis Bancroft. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter to W. D. B. and A. B. London, May twenty fourth, eighteen forty seven. My dear sons, on Friday we both went to see the Palace of Hampton Court with my dear good Miss Murray, Mr. Winthrop, and son, and Louise. On our arrival we found to our great vexation that Friday was the only day in the week in which visitors were not admitted, and that we must content ourselves with seeing the grounds, and go back without a glimpse of its noble galleries of pictures. Fortunately for us, Miss Murray had several friends among the persons to whom the Queen has assigned apartments in the vast edifice, and they willingly yielded their approbation of our admission, if she could possibly win over Mrs. Grundy, the housekeeper. This name sounded rather inauspicious, but Mr. Winthrop suggested that there might be a Felix to qualify it, and so, in this case, it turned out. Mrs. Grundy asserted that such a thing had never been done, that it was a very dangerous precedent, etc., but in the end the weight of a maid of honor and a foreign minister prevailed, and we saw everything to much greater advantage than if we had had one hundred and fifty persons following on, as Mr. Winthrop says he had the other day at Windsor Castle. On our way home we met Lady Byron with her pretty little carriage and ponies. She alighted, and we did the same, and had quite a pleasant little interview in the dusty road. Sunday, May 30th. Your father left town on Monday. He did not return until the 27th, the morning of the Queen's birthday drawing-room. On that occasion I went dressed in white mourning. It was a petticoat of white crepe flounced to the waist with the edges notched. A train of white glass trimmed with a ruche of white crepe a wreath and bouquet of white lilacs, without any green, as green is not used in mourning. The array of diamonds on this occasion was magnificent in the highest degree, and everybody was in their most splendid array. The next evening there was a concert at the palace, at which Jenny Lind, Greasy, Alboni, Mario, and Tamburini sang. I went dressed in a deep black dress, and enjoyed the music highly. Seats were placed in rows in the concert room, and one sat quietly as if in church. At the end of the first part, the royal family with their royal guests, the Grand Duke Constantine of Russia, and the Grand Duke and Duchess of Saxe-Weimar, went to the grand dining-room and supped by themselves, with their suites, while another elegant refreshment-table was spread in another apartment for the other guests. Jenny Lind a little disappointed me, I must confess, but they tell me that her songs were not adapted on that evening to the display of her voice. On Sunday evening your father dined with Baron Brunau, the Russian minister, to meet the Grand Duke Constantine. It so happened that the Grand Duke and Duchess of Saxe-Weimar appointed an audience to Baron and Baroness Brunau at seven, and they had not returned at half-past seven, when the Grand Duke and their other guests arrived. The Baroness immediately advanced to the Grand Duke and sunk on her knees before him, asking pardon in Russian. He begged her to rise, but she remained in the attitude of deep humiliation, until the Grand Duke sunk also on his knees and gently raised her, and then kissed her on the cheek, a privilege, you know, of royalty. On Monday evening we both went to a concert at Mr. Hudson's, the great railway king, who has just made an immense fortune from railway stops, and is now desirous to get into society. These things are managed in a curious way here. A nouveau riche gets several ladies of fashion to patronize their entertainment and invite all the guests. Our invitation was from Lady Park, who wrote me two notes about it, saying that she would be happy to meet me at Mrs. Hudson's splendid mansion, where there would be the best music and society of London, and, true enough, there was the Duke of Wellington and all the world. 
Lady Park stood at the entrance of the splendid suite of rooms to receive the guests and introduce them to their host and hostess. On Tuesday morning I got a note from Mr. Elliot Warburton, brother of Hakalaga, to come to his room at two o'clock and look at some drawings. To our surprise we find quite a party seated at lunch, and a collection of many agreeable persons, and some lions and lionesses. There was Lord Ross, the great astronomer, Baroness Rothschild, a lovely Jewess, Miss Strickland, the authoress of the Queens of England, Eothen, and many more. Mr. Polk, charge at Naples, and brother of the President, dined with us, and Miss Murray, and in the evening came Mr. and Mrs. McLean, he a son of Judge McLean, of Ohio. June 17th. On Friday evening we went to the Queen's Ball, and for the first time saw Her Majesty dance, which she does very well, and so does the Duchess of Sutherland, grandmother though she be. On Monday evening we went to a concert given to the Queen by the Duke of Wellington at Apsley House. This was an occasion not to be forgotten, but I cannot describe it. On Tuesday I went for the first time to hear a debate upon the Portugal interference in the House of Lords. It brought out all the leaders, and I was so fortunate as to hear a most powerful speech from Lord Stanley, one from Lord Lansdowne in defense of the ministry, and one from the Duke of Wellington, who on this occasion sided with the ministers. On Wednesday was the great fete given by the Duchess of Sutherland to the Queen. It was like a chapter of a fairy tale. Persons from all the courts of Europe who were there told us that nowhere in Europe was there anything as fine as the hall and grand staircase where the Duchess received her guests. It exceeded my utmost conceptions of magnificence and beauty. The vast size of the apartment, the vaulted ceilings, the arabesque ornaments, the fine pictures, the profusion of flowers, the music, the flourish of trumpets, as the Queen passed backward and forward, the superb dresses and diamonds of the women, the party-colored full dress of the gentlemen all contributed to make up a scene not to be forgotten. The Queen's ball was not to be compared to it, so much more effective is Stafford House than Buckingham Palace. We were fortunate to be present there, for Stafford House is not opened in this way but once in a year or two, and the Duke's health is now so very uncertain that it may be many years before it happens again. He was not present the other evening. End of letter 19. Read by Sibella Denton. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, please visit LibriVox.org.